Let me invite you then to take your Bibles and to turn to Acts chapter 11, please. Uh, you'll find that in the Black Bibles on your seats on page 919. Page 919. Acts chapter 11, and verses 1 to 18. Let's hear God's word together. Now the apostles and the brothers, this story picks up from where we were last week, Peter and Cornelius. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord. For nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times. And all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold at that very moment three men arrived at the house in which we were. Sent to me from Caesarea. And the spirit told me to go with them. Making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Amen. Don't build walls. Don't build walls. That's what Will was showing us last week. As we looked at chapter 10, Peter and Cornelius. Do you remember? Peter, a Jew, and Cornelius, a Gentile. And right down the middle between them, a wall. A wall separating Jew from Gentile. God's Old Testament law was that wall that separated them. And what happened in Acts chapter 10 is the story of what happened in Peter's heart as God showed him the wall coming down. Acts chapter 10 is the conversion of Peter, isn't it? More than the conversion of Cornelius. It's somebody realizing that everything is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything is about him and where we are with him. Now here's what Acts chapter 11 
is about. What happens when a man like Peter meets people who love that wall? Okay, chapter 10, the wall has come down. But what happens when Peter meets people who love that wall? This is Acts chapter 11. It's one thing to say that the wall has come down. Look at verse 1. The apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. The wall is down. But what happens when it reaches the ears of people who love that wall? Peter went up to Jerusalem. The circumcision party criticized him saying you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Do you see the wall? God's Old Testament law, his Old Testament law that separated circumcised on one side, the circumcision party, and the uncircumcised on the other side. Oh friends, make no mistake, circumcision was God's idea. It was a beautiful thing. It was a covenant sign to show who belonged to God and who didn't belong to God, like baptism today. It was part of the wall. And here are people who love that wall. People who love the things that make them distinctive from other people can tend to cherish those distinctives almost as much as life itself at times, can't they? Because we do this, we are in the right. Have you ever met somebody like that? The modern worship songs only party. The King James Version of the Bible only party. The Believer's Baptism party. So so, so what happens when a man like Peter who has had a new, deep, radical experience of God and Jesus in the Gospel gets up close and personal with men who love walls? Let Let me give us three things to see here that... Peter is teaching men like this. You see how the text works, verse 4. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. Here are three things these men who love walls need to come to love more than their wall. Number one, let there be no second class Christians. Number two, let there be no prejudiced Christians. Number three, let there be no legalistic Christians, No second class, no prejudice, no legalism. That's what Peter is teaching them. So let me ask you this morning, right at the start, what are you like with walls? Do you ever build walls? Do you ever cherish them? I think we all have them somewhere, don't we? Maybe this morning, if you're honest, you know you've got one. Certain type of person you like to keep at arm's length. Maybe you don't think you've got any walls, but other people can see your walls. Blind spots. Well, maybe it's a wall that God can pull down today. That's why we're here, isn't it? Show me, Lord, as we look at this passage. Here's our prayer. Give me the same kind of insight into the beauty of the Lord Jesus that Peter gets here. That's my prayer for you and for me, for all of us. Show me the barriers, Lord, that I erect between you and me and other people. Number one, let there be no second class Christians. 
See, as Peter begins to explain what happened to him, he has to explain, doesn't he, why the foods that he used to regard as unclean, he now regards as clean to eat. Look at verse 5. I was in the city of Joppa. Here's the explanation. I was praying. And in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. A tablecloth containing... Animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means Lord. For nothing common or unclean has ever entered my, has ever entered my mouth. The, the, the issue of Old Testament food laws is at the heart of this. The circumcision party think that the food that the Gentiles eat, the uncircumcised eat, that puts them on a lower tier than the Jews. Yes, they might believe in Jesus, these Gentiles. We've got no problems with that. But you ate with them, Peter? You ate with them? You actually ate the same food at their table? No, no, no. We're we're Jews. We don't do that. I wonder if you've noticed, friends, if you were here last Sunday and this Sunday, do you notice Peter sees this vision three times in chapter 10? And then after Peter seeing the vision three times, we actually get the story three times. This in chapter 11 is the third time of hearing about the sheep from heaven. Don't you think God is telling us something by repeating this rather bizarre story over and over and over again? How important must this be for us that God repeats it this many times? Seems kind of odd to us, doesn't it? We don't tend to get very upset about dietary laws anymore. And yet, friends, right here at this moment, right here in Acts chapter 11, the very integrity of the gospel is hanging in the balance. The future of world Christianity is at stake. Can the gospel go to all people everywhere and say to them, Jesus is enough? Peter knows that's what's at stake. Verse 9. The voice answered a second time. What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. If Peter and the circumcision party don't get this right and nip this issue in the bud. The world will be left with two tier Christians won't it from here on. Those who eat certain foods and who are really second class Christians. Lower level. And those who don't eat certain foods and who are really first tier Christians. Higher level. Really in the right with God. Now like I said this food law is kind of strange for us isn't it. So imagine with me a child. Imagine a child playing in the garden. And in your mind's eye picture around that child a wall. It is a good solid garden wall. His parents built this this wall to protect their child. Building that wall was an act of grace and love. The wall is there to protect, to stop the child wandering off when his parents aren't looking, to stop strangers with ill intent having easy access to the child. One of the ways the law in the Old Testament functioned for God's people was exactly like that wall. The wall of the law was there to keep God's people from harm. That is one of the best ways to understand the food laws. 
See, if you started eating with your Gentile friends on the other side of the wall, it maybe wouldn't be long before you started doing everything else your Gentile friends were doing. And so, as with children, God gave laws that put fences around his people to protect them. But you see, the point of the fence, the point of the wall, and here's the key issue, the point of the wall for the child in the garden is not because it's wrong to be on the other side of the wall. There is nothing intrinsically evil about the great big open field, is there? Now the point of the wall is to teach a young mind that there are dangers on the outside. And they need to be kept safe from them. The wall gives you what you really need as a child. Safety, security, protection. So it was with the food laws. It's not that eating pork or what have you could actually make you unclean. There's nothing intrinsically dirty about it. No, God wanted to give his people an outward physical sign to teach them about an inward spiritual reality. He wanted them to be spiritually pure, morally pure, holy. But now imagine something else with me. That four-year-old boy in the garden grows up to an 18 year old young man and he refuses to leave the garden oh he loves his wall his parents think about sending him off to university does it have a wall he asks imagine an adult who is uninterested in what is on the other side of the fence and is convinced that happiness and security and well being it's impossible unless I have a wall Hasn't he missed the point of the wall? No, the point of the wall was to make him a man who protects others, who cares for others. Not not to make him the kind of man who never goes anywhere unless he has a portable staircase with him. No, if he does that, he hasn't grown up. Do we begin to see what God is saying to Peter in verse 9? Those food laws, Peter, were like a wall for my children. When my people in the Old Testament were young. When they were small. And that law was like a schoolmaster. It was meant to lead people to Christ. To teach them the difference between right and wrong. But now it is time for the wall to come down. No longer can we put Jews over there and Gentiles over here. And keep them segregated from each other. See, this whole incident involving Peter and Cornelius, it's the risen Lord Jesus, isn't it? Teaching his church that when it comes to his family, there is no hierarchy. Jesus is judge of all, living and dead, male, female, Jew, Gentile, forgiveness for all, no matter who you are and no matter what you've done. This is the church learning that all class divisions are gone. All class divisions are gone. If you look back at chapter 10 verse 25. Just look at chapter 10 verse 25 with me. Here is where you see it being destroyed. Look at chapter 10 25. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up. Stand up. I too am a man. See, Cornelius falls at Peter's feet in reverence. And Peter says, no, I'm just a man. 
And then he enters Cornelius' house and treats a Gentile like an ordinary human being deserving of respect. Listen to John Stott. Here's what he says. Peter has come to see it was entirely inappropriate both to worship somebody as if divine, which Cornelius had tried to do to Peter, and to reject somebody as unclean, which Peter would previously have done to Cornelius. Peter refused both to be treated by Cornelius as if he were a god and to treat Cornelius as if he were a dog. Friends, I hope you see this this morning. In Christ's family, no thinking of others as better than you. No thinking of others as better than you. This is something I come across all the time in many different shapes and form. It, it, it kind of seeps out of our pores, doesn't it? I am not as good a believer as them. It works the other way too, doesn't it? Sometimes we think we are better than some and higher up than others. Now, I don't think we tend to divide, do we, along Jew and Gentile lines. But class issues are present in every church in every age, aren't they? Listen to James chapter 2. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus, you must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man comes in in filthy old clothes. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say... Here's a good seat for you. But you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. In other words, if you say you you don't look like us, you're different. Take a seat at the back, please. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts, says James. (coughs) Friends, there are no second class Christians. Maybe you just need to hear that this morning because deep inside you look at who you are, the way life has turned out, the way your family have turned out, the way you think other people must look at you. I'm second class. No, Acts is here. The letter of James is there because God knows we are people who are drawn to glory, aren't we? We are drawn to people who we are like. We're drawn to people who can give us things and do things for us and whose glory we can bask in. It's how we work, isn't it? To the people who look good and smell good and sound good and do great things. To people like that we want to say, here, have a special seat. We pay attention to them. Happens all the time in churches and I'm sure it happens in ours as well. But to the poor man, We say, you sit there, otherwise translated as, you do not deserve my time and attention and effort. We do it all the time, don't we? It's how we we love. We love human glory. We love human wealth. We love money and resources and comfort. We love human intelligence, degrees and PhDs and stimulating conversation. We love human strength, sport, And youth and skill, we are so partial to all those things. We love its glory. And in our hearts, we divide people up into significant and skilled and useful and attractive and not so useful, not so significant, less useful. 
And our divided heart spills right out into the open, doesn't it? It spills out here in verse 2, the circumcision party. We are in the first tier. They're in the second tier. I think we know, don't we, as individuals, who our friends are in church. But do you know the people who feel like they have no friends in church? No second class Christians. Secondly, there is no room for prejudiced Christians. There is no room for prejudiced Christians. You you can kind of get a, a, a hint of the prejudice, can't you, in verse 18? Even as they're glorifying God, they've had this revelation. Look at that little word, also. Then to the Gentiles, also. God has granted repentance that leads to life. Look at verse 12. The Spirit told me, Peter says, to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me and we entered the man's house. We we cannot underestimate what a seismic shock this was to Jewish believers to enter the unclean home. Of an unclean Gentile. And more than that. An unclean Gentile Roman centurion. Oppressing God's people. The time of Jesus. The fact that God had separated Jew from Gentile. Led to the Jews getting the wrong end of the stick. Many many Jewish people had become filled with racial pride. And hatred. They despised Gentiles as dogs. No Orthodox Jew would ever enter the home of a Gentile. My friends, how contemporary is the Bible? How contemporary is the Bible? We don't have to travel far, do we? We are not free from this kind of attitude. Certainly our world is not free of this attitude. I don't know if you saw on Friday uh, on the news, there was a short video of Donald Trump. Mocking the Oscars. You see that? Mocking the Oscars for giving Academy Awards to the South Korean film Parasite. Really? Trump says it's from South Korea. That should be in the foreign film section, not in our Academy Awards. Bring back Gone with the Wind, he said. An old American classic. It is out and out racism. Xenophobia. The fear of other races. The very same news page on the BBC beside it. The story beside it. The headline. Vigils in Germany for victims of racist shooting. Oh we know it all around us don't we? We see it and if we are honest we see it in our own hearts. And in the church it must not be. It must never be. Never be. The the folks who are with us on Sundays from other nations. I sometimes wonder if we are slower to speak to them. Than people who look like us. Not, let's be clear, not because of racist attitudes in our hearts. But because of fearful attitudes in our heart. We don't want to look silly. What if I get it wrong? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I look like an idiot in trying to say hello? And that nevertheless might look racist to them. 
See the difference? People tend to notice who other people are quick to speak to. Let's lose our reserve, friends. I embarrass myself nearly every single Sunday speaking to some of you in one way or another, don't I? After church, I forget something, get names wrong, get nationalities wrong. But speak, share, welcome. Listen to these words. The New Testament community is to reflect heaven, not this fallen world. And because of that, every form of discrimination and prejudice is out of place. Yet we have ethnic churches which make it quite clear that their membership is limited to people of a certain colour. We have class-bound churches which make it quite clear that only affluent middle-class members are welcome through its doors. We have churches for older people which do not expect anyone under the age of 55 to darken the door. We have churches for ravers which make it quite clear they do not expect anybody over 25 to darken the door. We have racist churches, tribalist churches, sexist churches. It's true, isn't it? We think we're prejudice-free until a family from a different culture moves in next door to us. We think we're prejudice-free until our daughter comes home and announces she's marrying someone from another race. And then the rubber really hits the road. Who gets invited to our tables? Do we have walls? Unnoticed walls, unseen walls. No two tears, no prejudice. Finally, number three, there is no place for legalism. Among God's family. No place for legalism. See, I think this last one is the hardest one for us to really get inside and to live in the light of. Keeping rules is easier for some of us than others, isn't it? But I think we all understand the concept. Keep the law and you're in the right. Keep the law and you're on the right side of the authorities. Do the right thing and all will be well. Some of us struggle to do that, I know. And and so perhaps because of that, we're often crippled by guilt in our walk with Christ. But for many of us, keeping the rules is second nature. And so if anything, we're often kept afloat by our pride, aren't we? Our sense of security comes from all the boxes we've easily ticked. No, no, says Peter here. No, says Luke, writing the book of Acts. God's people, God's grown-up people, live on the other side of the wall in the big, wide-open, spacious world that God has made. They don't live behind the wall because they know that acceptance with God is based on one thing only. One thing. (coughs) Chapter 10, verse 43. To Jesus. To Him. All the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through keeping the law. No, through his name. Chapter 11, verse 17. If God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we kept the law. Now, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. See, again, let me try and illustrate it. Take take the Christian man who goes home early from the work event, goes home earlier than all his colleagues because they're going on to the lap dancing club after the night out. 
That, that Christian man going home alone, he does the right thing, doesn't he? It's good, it's right. But can doing the right thing, can observing the law, can that do anything for that Christian man as he goes home alone in the taxi, wishing he was going to the lap dancing club? He's not going there, not because he doesn't want to. No, he's not going because his wife would never forgive him or because he might get caught. Do you see it? The, the, The wall, the law, is powerless to change the inside of the man. To change his desires and what he loves. The desires of the heart that are twisted out of place. Which put him on the wrong side of the wall as he travels home, even as he goes home on the right side of the wall. Looking like he's on the right side of the wall. You see, for a man like that, what the gospel of the Lord Jesus says, says to him is, look, the wall itself, doing the right thing, is just there to show you you need a saviour. Everyone who believes in Jesus, not everyone who keeps the law, everyone who believes in him, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Uh, I, I nearly called this sermon, I probably would have if, if it hadn't gone to print already, I nearly called this sermon, Why Kindness is Not Enough. Why Kindness is Not Enough. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, didn't I? Prince Charles, on Holocaust Memorial Day, stood up uh, to the world, the watching media of the world, and said, what, what does the Holocaust teach us? Be kind. Be kind to each other. I think our world at the minute seems to be feeling somehow the awful tragedy of our lack of kindness to each other. The death of Caroline Flack, the TV presenter. It's really affected me watching uh, the fallout from that, the events leading up to it. It is a devastatingly cruel blow for her family. What was one of the last things she put on Instagram? In a world where you can be anything, be kind. Be kind. This week in the news, young Caden Bales, you see the story, the young boy who's being bullied, being bullied for his dwarfism, wanting to take his own life. And the world of celebrities rally around him, beautifully sending him videos, rally around him to say to the world, what, what's the message, what does Hugh Jackman take on his phone, a video he sends him, what does he say to the world? Be kind. Be kind. What does the gospel say, friends? Kindness is not Enough. It's good. It's right. But what do we do with all our unkindness towards each other? Be kind, said Carolyn Flack, and now she's gone. Do her family and friends feel kind? No. There's a world of unanswered questions about what she did and what people did to her. We don't just need kindness, do we? We need answers, we need justice, we need, we need someone to sort out the mess and make us clean on the inside. All these celebrities are realizing that all around us are walls. Walls everywhere, we build walls and separate off from each other as quickly as we have hot dinners. And our only hope, friends, our only hope is seeing That the wall that God put in the world, the wall that he gave, his perfect holy law, 
has been taken down by Jesus in his death. The law shows us we all need forgiveness. That's what it's there for. That's what we need, isn't it? Justice and forgiveness. And justice fell on Jesus so that forgiveness could come to us. Look at verse 18. Then to the Gentiles also. God has granted repentance that leads to life. That is what the world needs. Repentance. Imagine if you saw that. A celebrity saying to the world. Turn from your sin. Be forgiven. Well the wall of God's law was meant to put us on our knees wasn't it? On our knees beside everybody else. Not not give us a means to put ourselves up above them. Or to put them down below us. It was meant to put us on our knees to ask God for a saviour. Brothers and sisters, no legalism. You are made right with God today by Jesus, not by keeping the law. No prejudice. How can we as Gentiles, as I suspect nearly all of us are here today, how can we as Gentiles ever look down our noses at anybody else? We are the latecomers into God's family. No hierarchy. Jesus is Lord of all. Amen.